0: Welcome to the Masterminds podcast channel, brought to you by DonorSearch, a leader in prospect research tools and analytics. And your host,
1: one of America's top philanthropic experts and fundraising consultants, Jay Frost. Brian Becker is founder of Leaders Edge, a boutique consulting firm focusing primarily on helping nonprofits develop strategic plans, high-performing teams, becoming more sustainable, and increasing impact. He also provides leadership coaching to executives and aspiring leaders. Brian is the co-author, with his son, of Tender Lions, Building the Vital Relationship Between Father and Son. Brian, thanks so much for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. I just wanted to have a chance to talk with you outside the the bounds of uh, the presentation about some of your work and what led you to it, and especially about uh, the things that you're doing now uh, with your son, your book, and Mm -hmm. that part of your life that you're introducing to many of us. But maybe we can start a little bit further back. I know you have an education in music, and Mm -hmm. I wanted to hear a little bit more about, about that and also... What role music plays in your life today?
0: Okay. Well, um I was a really talented trumpet player in my early days. Uh you know, grade school, high school, college. Um I had a pretty serious accident my senior year in college and broke the what's called the zygoma, left side of my face. Ended up in the hospital for 4 days. And it literally uh, severed some nerves, so I had no feeling on the left side of my face, and I couldn't play for many months. And it was during that time that I didn't realize how important it was until it was taken away from me. So um, as the feeling gradually started to come back, I practiced and practiced and um, started the sensation started coming back uh, It still didn't fully return, but I uh started playing three, four, or five hours a day. I started taking lessons from a guy in the Chicago symphony. I went back to school, got my master's in trumpet performance, and thought for quite a number of years I wanted to be a professional classical uh trumpet player in an orchestra and then um got married, had some kids and um realized that that was a very, very long road to go down. And I I had this interest in other things. And so I kept music as a very serious hobby and avocation and went down another path, um, uh, continued to play, you know, jobs, gigging, you know, part-time, do some part-time teaching. Uh, and then a few years ago, a, a really good friend of mine said, hey, you really you know, need more music in your life. And that's when I got asked to be on this board for um, what's called Lutheran Summer Music, the Summer Music Academy. And uh, so now I'm, uh, I think, five years back on on that board and uh, loving being back in touch with high school kids who music is at the center of their life. And I have a chance to have an influence in that.
1: And music doesn't ever really leave a person. It must be have a big influence not only in your ability to join that board and provide that service there, but on the other things you do. There's a there's a real rigor and discipline to performing at a high level. Uh, and I'm wondering how that influences your work as as a as a leader and and a consultant and trying to help other organizations learn to lead.
0: You know, that's actually a uh a probing question that i've been wrestling with in the last couple of months in that um what music is in my life is much more than notes you know in the air or on a page but what music has done for me over the years as a player um is develop discipline understand what excellence is uh and and good performers are um, not only great technically, but they're great listeners. Um, the, a short story, uh, many years ago, George Schulte was the conductor of the Chicago Symphony, which back when I was a young guy, people said that that was the best orchestra in the world. Mm-hmm. And he was a classically trained pianist. And he said that uh, Rachmaninoff used to say that the best in the world know how to sit and drill, you know, which is you go over it and over it and over it. And he said the reason the Chicago Symphony is the best is because we know how to sit and listen. Mm-hmm. And so it's not only being great at your craft, but it's knowing when to take the lead, when to pull back, when you need to fit in, when you need to stop. And so it's that it's that intense listening and really. Uh, listening beyond the music uh, that allows you to know when to play a certain role in a team and when to step back. So it's actually I look at I look at music as if maybe there's a whole nother series of workshops out there around music and the leader and how that discipline and communication plays a part in that.
1: Another interesting part about that is that as we make listening a more central part of the work that we do, especially as a consultant, as you are, or a leadership coach, there must be an aspect where you're coaching others on how to listen as well. Mm-hmm. So how are you making that a part of your practice? And have you seen others then become better at what they do, whether it's leading an organization or just being a better version themselves as a result of learning that, that craft or that discipline of listening?
0: Yeah. Well, there's... There's a couple of things that are running through my head right now, Jay. One is when I do coach someone, I actually specifically in the early sessions talk to them about different levels of listening Mm -hmm. and how there are times when like level one listening is simply hearing what someone is saying. Mm -hmm. You know, what words are they saying and are they asking me to join them or pick up milk at the end of the day from the store? (laughs) You know, it's sort of level one, uh, just understand the content. But then level two is there's something else going on here. And that happens through in, intuition, uh, inflection, pacing, pauses, eye contact, um, and paying attention to that because that actually I, my premise is that that level of listening to, there's a lot more going on than what's being said in the words. Mm-hmm. And so for leaders, business leaders, um, a manager or whatever to understand what's being said is way more than the words that are you know, out in the room. And then there's a third level of listening, which is sort of this whole person experience where you're not only aware of how they're saying it and what they're saying, but how's the group responding? What's happening in the room right now? How How is this person's uh, uh, approach or presentation affecting the group? And so um, when you're really like, quote, in the zone, uh, that happens uh, intuitively, instinctively, but it's also a skill that can be developed. So practicing it and being aware of it, you know, is really a powerful tool for for leaders. I'm also wondering if there's a part
1: where, if people become better listeners, do they listen to themselves a little bit better too? Sometimes people talk, but they aren't necessarily being introspective as they're doing so. It is as you have worked with people and helped them to become better leaders and organizations to become better at what they do, how important is it for them to also not only know the impact of their words, but to really know why they're saying
0: them in the first place? I think I I think I know that there's always a risk of me just answering the question in case I didn't hear you right, but I'm just going to answer the question, okay? <laughs> Make an assumption. Yep. And that is that um, uh, we we learn and we grow and we advance by skill development. You know, uh, I became a good trumpet player because of a lot of repetition, or a person becomes a better public speaker because they stand in front of a group and do it a bunch of times. You know, so there's the skill part of it. There's there's and that's your own you know repetition. There's also the learning you learn from others. Uh, but, a third step that's really critical is the introspection, mm-hmm. and that is what am I learning about myself? And the best leaders, once they get the skill mastered, then to really go to another level is about is about in that internal voice and learning about me and working on myself harder than I work on anybody else. Um, because the shadow side. That people have oftentimes in the middle of their in the middle of their pain or maybe in the middle of what they're hiding are actually the seeds to new birth and real catapulting them forward uh, as a leader.
1: I, I wonder if that's part of what you have been working on writing about as well. I I, I haven't had a chance to read your, your book yet, Tender Lions, but oh. you chose to go down a path of talking about something which was really important and personal. And you not only did that, probably with some trepidation, but ultimately fearlessly, but you also chose to do it in a really vulnerable way. You did it with your own son. Can you talk with us a bit about what was the genesis of that and then how you chose to work with your son and what the experience was like?
0: Sure. So just for the listeners who don't know who I am, I'm, I'm in my early 60s. My son is in his early 30s. And 20 years ago, I was <laughs> I was a pretty destructive dad. Um, I I wasn't physically abusive, but I was very controlling. I was dealing with addiction issues that I'd been hiding for a long time. Um, and when that all came spilling out, it was just it was just crushing to my family, my wife, my daughter, my son. And we stayed at the table and we talked about hard things that we never talked about before. We got counseling and. By being willing to look at the shadow side, by being willing to look at the things that I'd been hiding, I found the strength that I didn't know I had to be more of who, you know, the universe or God or whatever intended me to be. And then some years later, as I saw a lot of those healthier emotional and, and, um, Traits in my own son, I went to him as a young man and I said, Hey, you know, I think we have a story to tell that can be very healing and very helpful for other fathers and sons and other families. And so we spent about three years actually in a lot of conversation and writing back and forth, uh, to create tender lions. And in the, in the title of the book is this paradox. You know, you don't think of a lion as being tender, mm. but there are times when the lion will do anything to protect. The rest of the pack or the cubs, and needs to, and then there are times when the lion is tender as can be to nuzzle and love and nurture its own cubs and the 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 uh, secret in that I guess is knowing when to be one and when to be the other, and having the courage or vulnerability to play the role that's needed to be a whole person, you know.
1: It's, i don't have it all reaction. figured out
0: by the way i don't have it all figured out i'm still working daily okay
1: <laughs> well no no but I, i'm i'm really curious what was your son's reaction when you first broached the subject about writing the book with him
0: well at at first it was well how transparent are we going to be you know how how much of our own story that was incredibly difficult are we going to put out there? And then as we got further into the discussion, we're like, well, if we don't tell the whole story, what's? how can we say we're walking our own talk? Mm-hmm. We're telling people they have to look at their own shadow and we're not willing to talk about our own. Well, what kind of an example can we be? So the book, in the particularly in the first couple of chapters, is actually really raw about my own troubles that I brought into our family and how we dealt with that. and um, uh, So that was really challenging. Uh, I asked my wife and my daughter several times to read the early drafts to make sure that they were comfortable with that sort of thing being out there. And they both were really supportive of that. And uh, so it gave us sort of the courage to, to move forward in that. And uh, it's hard. And at the same time, when we... St- the reaction in other people. When we're vulnerable with people who are dealing with difficult situations in their life, it's amazing the freedom that gives them to come back to us with vulnerability and say, wow, let me tell you my story and how me just realizing I wasn't alone in this world, that that's given me strength to, to move forward. You know, it's never too late to like take the first step in the right direction. <laughs> so,
1: well, And that's a story that people talk about in the nonprofit world professionally all the time, is that uh, people, when they are vulnerable, that many believe that it's it's easier to then develop that bond with people who support our work and will then more heavily invest in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. it, I'm sure with boards, you must be going through this exercise quite a bit as well to uh, not just help people to be better listeners and all the ways you talked about, but also, to express that vulnerability so that uh, Mm -hmm. board members can be better versions of themselves. Can you, can you talk a bit about that, about where vulnerability plays a role in, in leadership?
0: The um, well, it plays, it plays an important role when used in the right circumstances. Mm. You know, you can scare people away. You can uh, offend people by, You know, uh, uh, revealing too much, too soon, too often, (laughs) or wears out, you know. Um, and so, um, at the right time, in the right place, in the right measure, vulnerability, uh, and, and when I'm coaching an executive director or director around that, um, I have to, I have to uh be courageous and not skirt the truth with them. And so okay. as I'm able to be uh, not in their face but just really brutally honest, you know, there's a there's a there's a biblical verse that says to tell the truth in love, to tell the truth with love. <laughs> so how do you be brutally honest and care for the person at the same time? I'm not being brutally honest to tear you down, I'm brutally honest to Like rip the scab off, rip off the bandage so we can let the healing happen, you know, or get to the core of the truth. I mean, people like uh, Patrick Lencioni and Brene Brown are, you know, this is at the core of some of their most powerful teaching and consulting right now.
1: You, You know, I'm I'm drawn to a couple of things you said when you conducted the webinar with us, too, that have to do with vulnerability, but also exposure. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is Mm -hmm. a little different, but this but the line keeps echoing in my mind. And I think you may have been quoting someone else, but it certainly sounded like your voice. You said, are we being exposed to the virus or Mm -hmm. exposed by the virus? And Mm -hmm. I wonder in each of these instances, if there are things that that put us um, at the at the pinnacle of something and we can choose to, to rotate backwards and keep pushing the boulder up the hill over and over, or we can go over to this different place. But that's probably kind of scary. Can you talk a bit about about that, about being exposed to events, especially like the virus when we're in right now and 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 what opportunity that might present for us?
0: Well that I think there's a great deal of fear um in It's like out there, like static out there in society right now. I mean, we see people punching each other in the grocery store line because one person's wearing a mask and one person isn't. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's an emotional charge that's just, you know, palpable out there. So. So in leadership to to step into an area you've never been in before. And maybe you come out of a background that says I have to be like old school military about the way that I lead and never show my chinks in my armor and always be in charge. Well, trust me, everyone on your team already knows where all of the chinks in your armor are. And and if you're willing to talk about it, people are like, oh, he or she, they're being real about this. Okay, if they're pretending like everything's okay, their BS detector just goes off. They know. They already know because they watch you all day long and they listen to you all day long when you're the CEO or the director of marketing, or whatever it happens to be. So that ability to like say, OK, I'm really struggling with this and I need your help. Well, that's when people step up. When you appear like General Patton, you know, at a team leader's meeting, people are like, oh, here she goes again or here he goes again. <laughs> and I think that that puts a distance between us and, and the team um there i mean there is a time like today you know when it's literally dangerous to go to the costco you know uh, unprepared but there's a time to show real courage appropriately that people that people can respond to and and walk next to you Um, by the way i did not make up the phrase about we're exposed to the virus or exposed by the virus i i don't remember where i heard that first but uh, i think there's there's a Tremendous amount of truth in there that um, it it uh, shows very quickly because we're all under the microscope right now. Where there's strong and weak leadership, where there are people who are confident and transparent in their leadership versus uh, have a really really strong ego and um, bravado, where people just go, yeah, they're full of themselves, and that does not enlist people's support. It might enlist the support of someone who doesn't have any critical thinking skills and wants to be safe and just wants to, you know, people like Hitler had a tremendous amount of uh, support from people who were really, really uh, denying the truth. They had a huge shadow side and that allowed that type of leadership to flourish. Um, But the end result was bankruptcy on all fronts.
1: You know, I wonder at a time like this again where we're confronted with something so massive that was also entirely unexpected or at least to most of us if if one of the lessons for moving forward is that we can have some kind of battle plan which incorporates all the things you were just talking about this kind of uh listening <laughs> uh the, and with all the steps that it entails and all the depths that it entails uh, mm-hmm. about this kind of um uh practiced uh uh, vulnerability, where honesty is also delivered with compassion, and where mm-hmm. we can think in the totality of it. Like you just said, as as we're navigating life, and um, and sometimes we want security, and it's offered to us maybe with a lot of uh, additional demands that we don't mm-hmm. expect. Um, yeah. there's going to be a crisis tomorrow if if the if the coronavirus, uh, if we find a vaccine tomorrow there'll be some financial event or some international crisis next year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So are there some things that you're thinking about and you're imparting to friends, family, and especially clients where you say, listen, this is a moment where we can uh, develop a set of, of skills or questions or techniques so that we will not be caught unawares even when something happens, which is unexpected. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So, um, one thing that uh, i mentioned in the in the uh, webinar uh, that we did on the seven essential questions for nonprofit boards right now was uh this idea of uh, being bulletproof mm-hmm. and so it's not just how do we get stronger it's how do we when when um, when times are okay not when you're standing in the middle of the war all right when times are okay how can we think about the organization and position itself in such way so that down the road we will be much much more resilient and the ability to withstand some of those those problems that will come uh, i'm reading a book right now called antifragile which uh, uh, it's a very strange book but the premise is is that um, if you think about something that's fragile maybe your uh, your in-laws had a beautiful crystal vase. Well, the only time that gets brought out of the China cabinet is like on Easter and Christmas and that sort of thing, because it's very fragile. And if it just gets tipped over a little bit, it'll break and then it'll be gone. So go to the absolute other end of the spectrum where there are things in society that actually are strengthened by the disruption now, there's not really a word anti-fragile. I don't know if what, what the synonym for that would be. You know, but I've been told by my doctor friend that if a bone breaks in your arm and it heals properly, it's actually stronger after the break, after it heals than it was before the break. So there's something about disruption in certain things in society that if we could build that into the way we think about the systems and the people that we're with, we could create organizations that that have the ability to look out into the future and say, what is possible? How can we be much more prepared for the next disturbance that's going to come? Um, and I haven't figured that one out, but it sure got that anti-fragile um, question. It sure got my mind thinking about what should nonprofit boards and their leaders be doing in the coming months as the pendulum swings back to think about not just getting back into the comfort zone, but creating an organization, you know, because many of these organizations we work with, Jay, are so important to the type of services they bring to society and will be more important in the future. And so they need to be there and they need to be um, they need to be strong.
1: So uh, this is a lot of serious stuff, uh, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though it sounds like it's a place that you really like to swim. Because you can get a lot done and you can help other people uh, gain their buoyancy too. But what keeps you laughing? What's the release valve for you? What's the spit valve on your trumpet
0: <laughs> uh, <that's laughs> for our times? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, actually, um, uh, I laugh a lot and I have a strange sense of humor. Um, and so uh, I connect with friends. There's about a half a dozen other people. Uh, couples that live in our neighborhood that we have been, uh, every, um, every Monday night for the last six weeks, we've been on video conference and we just tell the worst jokes we've heard in the last week and, uh, tell stories and we laugh and we connect. Um, I get outside a lot. Uh, I'm a farm boy and I've been living in Chicago for 40 years. So I take every opportunity I can to just get outside and, look up at the sky and breathe it in and, uh, very renewing for me. Uh, I am a person of faith. And so my prayer life and meditation life is important to me. Um, so I look for those things that are life giving, renewing for me. And I tr- I'm trying to build in more time of that right now. Um, uh, I'm an extrovert. And so I miss, um, the, those times of, you know, shaking hands with a business person or hugging my granddaughter. And, uh, there's a hole in me right now because that's a, that's a piece that I can't, I could fill it with alcohol or pornography or anger, or, <laughs> but that's not a, you know, that is not a good long-term, uh, you know, sustainable plan. And mm-hmm. so I have to be very intentional about finding what it is that, that renews my spirit and, and go there. Yeah.
1: Um, thank you so much, Brian, for all this and for a window, not just on your work, but your world and uh, what keeps you uh, thriving and happy uh, in these kind thank of challenging you, times.
0: My pleasure to be with you and, uh, and the best to you. I know what you're doing right now with Unbound and then the flash sessions and all of that are just critically important right now to nonprofit leaders. So uh, many blessings on this important work you're, you're engaged in.
1: Thank you so much. The Masterminds podcast is underwritten by DonorSearch, the world leader in donor intelligence solutions for -for not-for-profit organizations. Our producer is Terrence Diggs. Our theme music is composed and performed by Ahmad Ibrahim. The voice introduction to our program is performed by Ryan Ibrahim. You can subscribe to the Mastermind series on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find blogs, livecasts, and flash classes with our
0: featured masterminds at donorsearch.net or check the show notes and descriptions.